not gonna say it Hope somebody should Let's talk about two times Let's talk about bum one, yeah Asking the questions that nobody could Like where are the bone dogs and are they in harmony? Hey everybody, welcome to another episode. We've got some some things to cover today, so here we go. I sold uh, an item on eBay. So here's what here's what I sold. I had a clock. Okay, it was a uh, digital, an LED clock, a Pac-Man clock that I had just gotten. I think as a gift or something. Who the hell knows? Many years ago, I had it set up in our living room for a long time. Here's the problem. Uh, okay, so it was like an LED is just a flat screen with LEDs on it, and it would show the time in a sort of Pac-Man-y font, and then occasionally Pac-Man would run across the screen chased by the ghosts and then run the other way uh, chasing the ghosts, but they were the blue version, right? Pac-Man clock. This is everything you could expect from a Pac-Man clock, right? And I have no complaints about the general idea here the the problem with the clock is it was so bright unbelievably bright so when you would um so it would be in our living room like if we were watching a movie at night let's say uh and we had the lights off or even low it would be flashing colors on the opposite wall which was across the room now i don't live in a palatial estate where across the room means like that's a ridiculous distance but it was far far too bright far too bright i bought a film online not a like motion picture but a like plastic sheet that you can put over uh lights like that in order to dim them which i actually did for the night lights that i made for uh merch last year because uh it's too bright and it was out in the hallway and i was like it looks like uh a scary movie where there's like all this light pouring in on the door frame and if I open the door it'll be some kind of portal and that's that's the last thing you know no one ever cites portals as being something they're afraid of but they should because they're terrifying so I uh I sell this clock or uh, okay so I take this clock down we get a different uh stupid clock that says the time in you know uh, words instead of in numbers and I take this clock down and put it in a drawer and I'm like well you know maybe I'll put it up some other day you know sometime someday when I have a place I can put this up where it's not like where it's fine to have something plugged in all the time that is way too bright and oh here's the other thing I forgot to tell you so I want to I want you to sort of decide for yourself just in your head, if I tell you, like, okay, this Pac-Man thing goes across, chases the ghosts, whatever, and, you know, flashes these bright lights, how often do you think Pac-Man would go across and chase the ghosts? I would have guessed, like, maybe every 15 minutes, right? That seems like a normal interval for something like that, because that's like a cuckoo clock, right? You'd be like, well, at most on the quarter, maybe even on the hour. 
But, you know, for something like this that's silent, I would be like, 15 minutes seems like a good interval. It's like every 45 seconds. It's like constantly happening. Um, not good. So that that is the one flaw in the in the device. But here's the thing. I think this is meant for, you know, you have an arcade room or something like that uh, because you're a rich dad who's getting divorced and you're like, I need to make something to make my kids love me. So you build like a, you have like an air hockey table and then you're like, well, that'll do it. Um, which it might, depending on the kid's age and how bad you are otherwise. If you're not a bad guy otherwise, it might work. It, it won't, it won't hurt. So, uh, I think it's kind of just meant for that. Or, you know, you put it in the garage or something, and uh, that way it's not like, it's definitely not going to work in your bedroom, right? That would be way too much. So, uh, I had it like in a drawer basically because I was like, well, I guess I guess what I'll do is just keep this clock that I was gifted, um, you know, for the day when I move into like a house that has five bedrooms, which is never going to happen, right? It's just one of those dumb things where you're like, I don't want to get rid of this. It works. And like, it would work for me under slightly different contexts, but uh, just not working right now. So finally, like last year, I was like, you know what I should do is just sell it on eBay, right? And for some reason, I came across one on eBay and saw that it was going for what I would consider a large amount of money, something like uh, $200. And there were only a couple on eBay and they were both priced about that way. And I was like, this is interesting because, uh, you know, I, it, it did not cost $200 anywhere close, right? But it must be something that they don't make anymore. And I guess, who knows? I don't know if there's some kind of collector's market for this thing, whatever. But so once I saw that, I was like, oh, why don't you just sell it on eBay? And then like you can, you could spend half of that at some point to get some other novelty clock that you prefer and still have 50 bucks. This seems like a win-win. So, you know, it was on my like 2024 to-do list, which I'm trying to like actually do the things on. Cause you know, it's still January. So I'm still, I'm still on that train, but, um, so I, I finally got it listed on eBay. You know what I mean? Cause of course this involved like me remembering how to log into eBay and then like connecting my bank account and, uh, listing the object, which meant taking pictures of it and then email it, you know, all this shit, which I was like, I should just got fucking eBay app and I'm sure you can do it all in there. But, you know, that also seems like a terrible idea for me to have that on my phone because it's like, mm, I don't know if it's a good idea for me to make it super easy for myself to buy stupid shit on eBay. That seems like a mistake. So anyway, I finally did the work of doing it, listed it, and I was like, I'm good to go. Good to go. So like the day after I list it, I get a, a message from muscle under, underscore 16 on eBay, uh, at five forty-seven. Uh, oh, sorry. That's not the first one. 
I don't know how I can see. Well, let me see if I can find the first one. That was just a question mark. Uh, na, na, na. Okay. I can't see the whole thread here. This is really annoying. Let's see. Back to inbox. All messages. All right. I got I got several messages from this guy. On January 24th, I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine messages from this person. So he messaged me pretty early on and was like, hey, I was uh, wondering if this has any scratches or dents on it. And I was like, "It's I already put in the description, like, it's in great shape. Uh, I put in the description. It comes with everything that it came with, except for some of the original packaging. But, like, it has the original box. It has the, uh, the thing. It's got a little screen protector thing that it came with. And it's got the AC adapter. It even has a little cleaning cloth that came in the box. Um, the only thing it didn't have, you know, is I was like, it doesn't have like any little plastic bags or zip or twist ties for the AC adapter. It doesn't have like if there was some kind of foam shit in there, it doesn't have that. But other than that, it's got literally everything and it's all in good shape. It all works. This guy texts me or messages me and is like, hey, uh, I wanted to ask if there are any scratches or dents. And I was like, no, it's in good shape. And then he's like, does it come with everything in the box? And I was like, both of all this information's in the description. But, you know, I'm just like, yes, it does. And then he's like, would you take an offer on it? Now, I didn't realize, because I obviously am not a frequent eBay seller, there's this make an offer option when you list something, which is, you know, you set the minimum bid but someone can click that button and make you an offer that's lower than your minimum bid. And I guess you can choose to take it or not, which I kind of hate because uh, it's like gives people the op. Well, I hate it in this situation because it gives someone the option to bother me. And I'm like, well, maybe just send me an offer and I'll either take it or not. But I was still trying to be nice. Because I'm trying to get like $100 from this person. That's what I listed mine for was $109. So, you know, it was much cheaper than the others. Um, and I was like, hey, uh, so I would take an offer. But to be honest, mine's priced at like half what most of the other ones are on here. And those haven't sold. So, you know, they're probably not worth that. But being so much cheaper, the offer would have to be pretty close to my original uh, asking price in order for me to accept it. So Muscle is like, okay, I'll give you your asking opening bid price if you would accept that. And I was like, done. So he sent it. I took it. And I was like, all right, I'll send it out to you shortly. So he sent me like nine or ten things. And this is like, I think, well, at first I thought this was like a Zoomer thing. Because I think this is a Zoomer thing. Because this is how the youngest people that I talked to, which could probably be in that realm, um, on the older end of that spectrum, that's how they text. They'll text like a sentence and then hit send and then hit another, do another sentence and hit send instead of texting you in a big block, which I find obnoxious because I'm like, how do I know when you're done? 
Let me know when you're done. You have to say over at the end if you're going to text in that style. But, um, you know, whatever. It's like they treat the send button like it's the enter key. I did, by the way, like, so a couple weeks ago, I had to do some texting because I was behind on a couple uh, conversations with people. And I started using a Bluetooth keyboard to text. And it changed my texting game. It made it much easier. Because I was like, I'm a grandpa. Like, I don't want to do this shit this way. But if I could use a Bluetooth keyboard, I guess that'd be all right. Uh, anyway. So, you know, I'm like, all right, all good. And this clock, by the way, was already packaged. Uh, you know, it was ready to go. And I, I took pictures and then packaged it. And it was just like, as soon as it's bought, I will send this shit out. So the next day, I start getting more messages from Muscle, starting at about, like, 11 a.m. I get, like, five more messages, uh, each on the hour, that are basically asking me over and over, are you sending it out today? And then another one that's just a question mark. And then another one that's just a, just checking if you're sending it today or tomorrow. And then, hey, I wanted to see if you're sending it out today or tomorrow. I mean, just over and over. And I was like, I saw this because uh, I had to check an email for like a password reset stupid thing. And I was like, motherfucker, I'm at work. I got a job. You don't have to text me that every hour. You don't even really have to send me a message about that at all. But. Every hour is a bit excessive. However, and so I, you know, I was getting set to message this person back. And then I was like, no, we're not going to yell at this person. And what I had to do was picture in my head. I was like, what kind of person would be texting you this much that you couldn't yell at? Because I was picturing like an old man who just doesn't understand and is on eBay all day and is like, how come everyone's schedule doesn't conform to my schedule? But then I was like, maybe it's actually, I, I had to picture like a person with like really, uh, you know, affecting autism, right? And I was like, maybe this is like a guy who lives at his parents' house. He's like 35 and, you know, doesn't really, social mores are a little difficult. And, you know, he, he gets this feedback from people that's like, dudes quit being annoying you know what i mean all the time and like he's just really excited about this pac-man clock because you know i don't know clocks are his thing or pac-man is his thing or something like that and i was like picturing him doing that and his parents being like maybe you know give him give him a few hours you don't have to send him a message every hour and then he ignores that and i was like all right so i'm gonna just i'm gonna be nice and I sent him a message after I had sent him, sent it. I put it in the mail. I went to the post office that night, put it in the mail and sent him the message and was like, here's the confirmation. It should be there Monday. Sorry, I did text you earlier. I was at work and couldn't use eBay or just leave my job to send, to make a hundred dollars. You know what I mean? And he was like, great, thanks. 
And then Poonmaster Flex was like, I was picturing that maybe that's what this person was like. Uh, the same thing you were picturing just by the communication style. And she was like, but also I wondered if maybe he was just like, he pulled one out over on you because maybe what he did was, uh, he's like, I want people to send my shit out right away. So if I'm super annoying and I was like, well, to be honest, I probably wouldn't have gone to the post office tonight. I probably would have gone tomorrow. So he did, did kind of put me into that uh, position where I did it. So it sort of worked. But anyway, it was, it was, the, here's the thing. It was a hundred dollar item. So it was worth it. Like in the past on eBay, I've tried to sell items and I usually end up, uh, bailing at some point, usually because I'm like, you know, okay, I'm selling like a, a trade paperback or a book or something. And if you're selling a book, you're probably only making like 10 bucks or something. Right. Uh, especially if you like include the shipping and you got to buy a mailer for it or whatever. So by the time you get to it, you're like, oh, God damn it. Like I, I made $4 doing this. So it's not really worth it. Um, but this being a hundred, I was like, all right, that's worth it to me because also, uh, so I, I'm doing my taxes this year. I know this is really exciting, but I, I discovered, uh, so lit re this is the first year I won't be writing freelance for lit reactor in several years. And, uh, I made last year, I made about $1,500 writing for them. So I was like, all right, my goal this year should be to make $1,500 doing something else. You know what I mean? Can I, can I replicate that income in some other way? And I'm not sure if I can, but I was like, well, that's a hundred. So we're on, we're on our way. We are on our way to something. Now, you know, we could look at this as, well, you could have just, you know, you could have done that before and made the 1500 from Lit Reactor and the uh, 100 from selling this clock that was sitting in a box in a drawer. We could do that, but, you know, why would you talk to me that way? Why would you, <laughs> why would you do this to me? You know what I mean? That's fucked up. That is super fucked up. I guess while we're on the topic here, you know, patreon.com slash helpful snowman. That's probably one of the better ways to give me money. Uh, the other best way would be to buy one of my books. If you go to Amazon and you search my name, Peter Dirk, D-E-R-K, uh, you'll, you'll find many great books. Now I did put up a, uh, oh, this is a big announcement. B-T dubs. Um, I finally managed to collect all my lit reactor columns into a book format. And it, this took probably a hundred and some hours of work to reformat all my columns and get the images in there and have it formatted to work in a book, but I did it. So here's the deal though. There's a print version it's in four volumes. It's gigantic. And because it's so big and there are so many pages and uh, they're all color, uh, buying all four volumes is going to run you about a hundred bucks, which is, I, I think, way too much to spend on me uh, and on that, um, especially because 
you know, each one costs $25 and I think I make less than a dollar per copy sold of each volume. So if you bought all four, I, I might clear five bucks, right? The other option though, I made a uh, digital version that's on the Kindle store and that's the whole shebang and it's like $7. And I think for that, I probably make like $2. So that is what I'm going to recommend. You're not going to want to read it on your phone because you're going to have to do some horizontal scrolling and that's horrible. Although maybe you're into that because you're a sick, sick fuck. But um, I would, you know, on a tablet or something, it looks pretty great. I, if I do say so myself, I'm not really one to talk up my, uh, my own work, but I think it looks great on a tablet. And for like $7, this is thousands of pages i think this is something like two thousand pages of content uh you know a lot of writing a lot of you know little stories i mean this includes the column about the time i wore a glove full of vaseline to try and figure out why curly from of mice and men did it uh did it make my hands off for my woman as they say in that book find out in uh the lit reactor years by peter dirk omnibus edition though get that one don't don't buy the print it's so much you're, you're not gonna feel good about that purchase and then i i will feel bad for you um but there's nothing that can be done if you've already purchased it for some reason if you're that maniac um lord help you but yeah i was like maybe i should write a bunch of books there's always like a YouTube videos and, you know, blog posts that are like, you know what you should do for, um, uh, passive income. That's their big word. They're like, I put a bunch of stuff on the Kindle store as passive income. And you know, that's how I make, I made $10,000 last year. Uh, just, just so everyone knows last year on the Kindle store, I made $80. <laughs> I have like a dozen titles on there and, you know, I would say that's a very average sales year for me. Um, but yeah, $80. But here's the thing. You can't write books on the Kindle store and that's not passive income. It, it, the idea I think there is like, well, it becomes passive income because you're done writing the book, but it's still generating income. And I'm like, I, I get where you're coming from with that, but you did work and you're just getting paid for it after. And you're kind of rolling the dice on whether or not you'll make any money on it. So I don't know if I'd call that passive income. I would call that like, uh, you know, pre not prepaid work. <laughs> Freelance work that's paid based on, you know, interest level that somehow you achieve. But the other big thing is that um, people aren't going to just find your books on there. You know what I mean? Unless unless what you do, because what some people will do is write something like, uh, you know, here's a summary of the 12-hour work week. Or you know what I mean? Are those bullshit business books. And they'll write a quicker summary of the book, which actually does make sense as a thing. Because... Uh, most of those business books, you open it up and it's like, you know, the Stoics thought this and that, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, my dude, I do not need to know about Rome. 
the history of ancient Rome in order to for you to tell me like, uh, yeah, maybe open a savings account. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe have like a budget where you keep track of what you spend money on. And if you're thinking, gosh, that sounds too hard. Well, then you're probably spending money in a bad way. So, you know, just consider maybe get a two column steno pad notebook and write down all the things you buy. Uh, oh, OK. All that stuff about, uh, you know, Aristophanes or whatever is like, that's just lead into that. Oh, thank you. I really needed that. Anyway, I guess you could do those, you know, write those summaries of those kind of books. I mean, I had an idea to do one like that. It's called Pete's Notes instead of Cliff's Notes. And uh, it would be of like a classic book and it would kind of just tell you what was going on with that book. Um, but not really. And then it would veer off into other things. I guess this is the thing is like, I don't consider writing books passive income, but I do care about them. You know what I mean? Like I put, I try to put something together that's like of value. Um, so that, that doesn't feel passive to me. I don't know. It's weird that people call that passive income when I'm like, uh, if you told someone they had to write a five page essay about anything that for a lot of people, they'd be like, that's my fucking nightmare. You know what I mean? That they would have to write a five page essay. Anyway. Uh, so buying my books helps too. And if you could review the books, that would be great. This is kind of my like, like, and subscribe chat, but you know, like if you can just take 10 minutes to log into Amazon and like find the book and then do a text review and put however many stars you think that would be lovely. I don't know why I'm spending this much time telling you how to support me, but you know, I guess I'm trying to, I'm, this is like my $1,500 for the year. I need to draw a big thermometer that has 1500 at the top and then color it in for everything I do. So I'm going to do that today and then I'll keep you all updated on like, did I make that extra 15 this year? Okay, I wanted to go over a little story I came across. I was also, as part of my to-do list, I have like a hundred windows open on my phone, on the browser, because it's just something that I'm like, oh, I need to come back to this later. I need to come back to this later. So I was trying to put it all in a to-do list and then, uh, you know, found something that I was like, I need to talk about this on the podcast. So there's an author named Patrick DeWitt who I really like. Uh, he wrote a book called Ablutions that I love. He wrote The Sisters Brothers, probably his most famous, I think one called French Exit. Uh, he wrote one called Under Major Domo Minor. Um, there's some, there's probably a space in there. Under Major, Space, Space Domo, Space, whatever. Under Major Domo Minor, something like that. Look up fucking Patrick DeWitt, okay? Do I have to explain everything exactly as it is? So Patrick DeWitt is this writer. And he had a website, as most writers do. Now, I couldn't find... Uh, what his website looked, you know, a couple years ago. 
because and my guess is that he has a website but that it's not there's not much going on there because I read an interview with him a few years ago and he was basically just like I don't really use the internet I don't really use social media and the person was kind of like what about like news and stuff and he's like yeah I don't really keep up with the news and and I think this was probably in the early Trump era and maybe had even started from a question asking him something political. And he was basically like, I don't really know. I don't know how to answer that question. And Patrick DeWitt said something like, you know, this isn't the way for everybody to live, but this is how I choose to live. And uh, it works for me. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone else. I don't really know. Uh, whether it works for anyone else or whether they would like it. But if you're asking me what I did on the internet today, the answer is nothing. <laughs> so my suspicion is that this is a website that, you know, was created because it's like, well, if you're a writer of any note, you should probably have some kind of website. But that was probably about it, right? So at some point, well, I'll just tell you, I'll read what happened. This is uh, by Benjamin Samuel. And uh, it was from January of 2020 and was updated below. So um, there are traditional ways to get a book published, pitches, queries, agents, enduring months and years of soul-crushing work and silence. And then there's blackmail. A writer is currently squatting on Patrick DeWitt's website, which they'll return to the award-winning author if he reads their, quote, very unpublished novel. The squatter has not identified themselves. They call themselves a bad boy on the contact page, but their demands and motivations are clear. Mr. DeWitt, if you want the site back, just let me know. I'm not trying to blackmail you, your producers, the publishing house, or your literary agent. I just want y'all to read my manuscript. Oh, fuck, I just realized that's the dictionary definition of blackmail. Sorry, I guess I just meant I don't really give a fuck about money. <laughs> It is pretty funny that it's like, uh, I'm not blackmailing you. I'm just holding this thing that I shouldn't have until you do something that I want you to do. And it's like, oh, okay. I discovered the hijacking this morning while looking to see if DeWitt had a new book coming out in 2020. Instead, I found the first chapter of the squatter's novel, In God's Silence, Them Devils Sang, which is described as an acid western Half Cormac McCarthy, half Hunter S. Thompson. I can't tell you if the novel is any good, but this writer clearly is a bold and creative new voice in the way that letters cut out from a magazine and arranged to form a ransom note is bold and creative. The site has been in the squatter's control since at least September 2018, and it appears DeWitt hasn't used the URL since 2014, and so far it doesn't seem like he's willing to pay the ransom. As Jim Rulon put it, the squatter picked the one writer in the universe who doesn't give a solitary fuck. <laughs> I've reached out to the squatter through the site's contact page, and I'll share my updates if I hear back. Okay, so let's go to the Wayback Machine again. I was trying to pull up Patrick DeWitt's website on the Wayback Machine, um, patrickdewitt.net, to see what it looked like. And so it's like, if he hasn't used it since 2014... There was probably nothing there. It, nothing was getting pulled up. So maybe I have to go back further to like 2013 because I was like, I want to see what it looks like now. So what it looks like today is nothing. It's just like, you know, that weird thing where you go to a link and then it's just like, oh my God, uh, your computer is exploding. 
Okay, so in 2014, it was like Patrick DeWitt, cover of the Sisters Brothers, you know, and you've got bio, works, press, videos, purchase, links, news, contact. That's about it. So, you know, nothing real special going on there. Um, let's see if we can look at it in like 2021 or something. If it'll pull up anything. But yeah, so I was trying to look at it now in the past, and I was like, yep. And as Jim Rulon puts it, uh, Jim Rulon's very correct. He's like, this is probably the, uh, the worst author to squat on their website because, yeah, he is not going to care. Uh, probably may not even really know, you know, if someone was like, someone's squatting on your website. And it's like, okay, I don't really know what that means. That's fine. I don't I don't actually care. I'm trying to see if this will come up because I really want to see really want to see the hacked version, but I guess maybe I can't. That's unfortunate. Anyway, and I wanted to read the novel, but I couldn't. But this writer did get a uh, a message from uh not Patrick DeWitt at gmail.com. Hey man, thanks for reaching out. Ha ha ha. Just saw your article too. It's hilarious. And yeah, probably best to stay anonymous because of the whole blackmail thing. Oh, and point of clarification, I don't really want him to read it. I want his publisher or agent to read it. I chose him completely arbitrarily and then I read an article saying he didn't use the internet, whereas I'm hopelessly addicted, so I couldn't tell if this was a good thing or a bad thing in terms of getting away with it. Uh... Well, it's probably bad. It's actually probably a little worse because my guess is that this is a website set up by a publisher, not the guy. So, you know, the guy is not going to care. Um, so a little backstory. I spent five years in alcohol-induced haze writing this novel and then got to the end of it and started approaching publishers and agents. Partway through the writing process, my pal had recommended the Sisters Brothers because it has a similar setting. My book is about three fucked up brothers who are being chased across America so that one of them can be reconnected with his estranged family before he dies. Oh, and they're being tracked by a fallen angel. I think that's supposed to be the moment. And he's like, oh, and they're being tracked by a fallen angel that I'm supposed to be like, oh, shit. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention. And then the hook is in. Anyway, when I opened Patrick DeWitt's book, I flung it across the room because I didn't want to end up stealing anything and because I was bitterly, bitterly jealous. I figured that reaching out to his agent and publisher would be a good place to start, and both of them linked to a dead website for him. I saw that his site wasn't taken and thought, fuck it, that's as good a way as any to demand attention. Anyway, this was about 18 months ago, just before Sisters Brothers came out as a film with Joaquin Phoenix and John C. Riley, arguably the most important month of his life and I was stealing his website. I was pacing around my apartment, drinking scotch and sweating when I pushed publish on the website. I braced for the deluge of lawsuits and death threats to pour in, and then nothing. Absolutely nothing. The biggest actor... Okay, so hold on. Uh, I opened his book, flung it across the room. Uh, I saw that his site wasn't taken and thought, fuck it, that's as good a way as any to demand attention. So hold on. This guy was like, he... So he's literally squatting on the domain. He's not, he hasn't stolen it. And okay, I don't know if it's actually illegal to squat on a domain and say, hey, I'll give it to you if you do this. 
This is a little different from blackmail, IMO, because blackmail to me would be stealing the website and then saying, I'll give it back to you, right? That's not even really blackmail, but that's just uh, illegal. But buying an unclaimed URL and then putting up a website that's like, people looking for Patrick DeWitt are going to find my book instead, that's not illegal, is it? I mean, I guess it's not because why would... Otherwise, I would assume you would have gotten that letter, that cease and desist. But my guess is they were like, what, what's with this asshole who owns PatrickDeWitt.net? And they were like, well, he bought it. And they're like, okay, well, I guess there's nothing I can do. Um, the biggest actors in the world are in a movie based on a novel he wrote, and no one reaches out to talk to him? I was pretty insulted on his behalf. Occasionally, I'd get a confused email about why I'm not him or the digital equivalent of someone scrawling in crayon about why I, not me, was mean to fictional animals in my, not mine, novel. I've worked in a bunch of other media and things have to say writing and, and things. I've worked in a bunch of other media and things have to say that writing a novel is about as rewarding as yelling into the abyss. Even my so-called friends have been notoriously flaky in reading the fucking thing. Uh, yeah, I got news flash for you, buddy. Um, your friends are not going to read your book. I mean, some of them will. The, your friends who are inclined to read a book like the one that you've written will read it. Uh, will your partner who loves you dearly and spends a lot of time with you read your book? No. That novel is depressing, fragmented, disorienting melodrama, but it does have its bad points, too. Anyway, let me know if there's anything else you want to know. The first chunk of the manuscript is on the site. The only thing that can make this any ridiculous is if the book got published on the back of it. <coughs> I mean, that's not going to happen. Okay? And let me explain why that's not... I actually... Okay, I've turned around on this person. Uh, because I've, you know, now I've read the story carefully. <laughs> Lesson for everybody. Read the story. The difference between a squatter and a steelster is important in this case. So my thinking is now like, okay, so this is what we would call, if he was successful, this is what we would call guerrilla marketing. If he was not successful, it's what we call lame and desperate uh, and a little gross. And I think that's part of what sucks about trying to promote a book is that, um, it's really about success, and no one wants to admit that. But the truth is, if you do a really shitty idea, but it works, it's not a shitty idea anymore. If you do a shitty idea and it doesn't work, then it's a shitty idea. So I think what this guy has done is a shitty idea, but only because it didn't work. I think if it worked, it wouldn't be a shitty idea really anymore. It would just be a thing he tried. That didn't work. Um, but I, I, I like the moxie. I think the idea of it getting published by a legitimate publisher is dumb. Because the thing is, I don't think there are any legitimate publishers who are like looking for manuscripts that way. Do you know what I mean? And then another thing to consider here is like, if I work for a publisher... And I see the sisters, brothers, and I'm interested in that. I am not uh, probably going to call or look up Patrick DeWitt on the website 
and then see that his website has been squatted upon and contact that person. Uh, and in fact, if I'm an industry even kind of insider, I'm probably going to contact his publisher. I'll be like, oh, Jerry knows him. I'll contact Jerry. You know, that's probably what you're looking at here. But the other thing I think is that a publisher, uh, what you're doing kind of makes a publisher look bad and that they don't want to look bad. So if you make them look bad, um, you're setting themselves up, you're setting them up to look stupid uh, if they publish your book and they kind of have to be like, well, you were right. You were right to do that and to make me look like a fool. So I don't know. On the one hand, it's like a, a desperate move to get your book in front of somebody because you really believe in it. But on the other hand, um, if it doesn't work, then it's just pathetic. And it's one of the hard things about, you know, making especially books is that it's like, well, you're pathetic until you're not. And even then you're probably still pathetic, but um, you're very pathetic until you're not pathetic. <laughs> and for most of us, that pathetic period is the entirety of our writing career. You know, the entirety of our time. It's like, uh, you know, you do a newsletter and you're like, well, there's like 10 people subscribe to this. So you know, this is a good thing to keep doing. You can subscribe to my newsletters at helpfulsnowman.com. Look for the newsletter link at the top. And that's, that's the thing, right? Like even Patreon, I've been joking about that, but it's like, it's pathetic. And I, I know it's pathetic, but that's, it doesn't bother me because every step in this process is pathetic. So, you know, I guess now I feel this person is, you know, definitely pathetic, but no more pathetic than any other self-pub amateur writer out there. Myself, very much included. So there you go. <laughs> That's pathetic cast for today. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you en enjoyed our little jaunts together. Um, one fifteenth of the way there. But if I can figure out a way to make $1,500 from writing this year, that would be pretty amazing. So, you know, nominate me for an award or something.